Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men, to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Let me just pray. Lord, we thank you that we can gather in your presence this morning. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth would um, be a blessing. Lord, that I would be able to correctly um, share the word of God this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen. So this passage concerns the question of how much it will cost us to follow Jesus and be his disciple. Um, and it's also one of those passages that seems hard for us to grasp, so hard for us to grasp that we might skim over it. How, I mean, how many of us can honestly say that we've given up or renounced everything we have to for, in order to follow Jesus? Probably not one of us can say that. So does that mean that this passage is not relevant to us or doesn't apply to us or is actually asking for something impossible? Well, if I thought that, then I would sit down now and we would forget about it. So I don't think it does. And I'd like to try and give us a way this morning of understanding this passage that might help us begin thinking a little bit more deeply about it and also perhaps help us to be better disciples of Jesus. So in this passage, Jesus makes four very difficult statements. He says that if we want to follow him, we have to hate our family and ourselves, carry our own cross, make sure that we know what we're getting into so that we can finish it, and renounce everything we have. So I'm gonna look at these statements, but not necessarily in that order. So firstly, our families. Our upbringing and family relationships give us our primary identity in life. They shape who we are, where we understand we've come from. Um, they might also shape the expectations of other people for us as we grow up. Um, in some families, richer or more powerful families, the family might provide benefits that allow a child to do better in life, access to better education, better jobs, marriage partners, etc. And so with the benefits and identity of our families, there's also the shaping of the reality for a person growing up from a certain family. And to be honest, all of this is good. This is not bad. Family and the benefits that come from family are a gift from God. And also, we have to remember that God tells us to honor our father and mother. That's a basic commandment. So if family is good and God tells us to honor our parents, how is it that we have to hate the members of our families in order to follow Jesus? Okay, that looks like a contradiction. But Jesus is making the point that when we decide to follow him, we take on a new identity. And the new identity involves us in a new set of values and goals that may not be compatible 
with the values and goals we had before we became followers of Jesus. So the benefits, prestige and identity that come from belonging to a particular family, while these things are not bad in themselves, they do not give the same advantages in God's family and kingdom. In other words, whoever I am, wherever I've come from, whatever my family is, none of that gets me any special status in God's kingdom. So while being from a certain family might make you someone in Britain, it doesn't make you anybody in God's kingdom. It doesn't make you anybody special. So when Jesus says we have to hate our own family, he's speaking in a relative way. So when we follow him, we join a new family with a new family identity and a new set of family values. And the new reality is supposed to be so dominant in our thinking and acting and so important to us that the end result it would be as if, in comparison, we hated our old family and its values and identity. And the same thing goes for our view of ourselves, because Jesus says you have to hate yourself. So again, the same point. Before we became a Christian, we might have been somebody in society or the media or the world. We had an identity that was rooted in our background or our achievements or our wealth. But again, these things don't give us any special status with God. So for some people, it might even be important what color their skin is or what social class they think they're from or what country they were born in and what their nationality is. But again, none of these give any special status in God's kingdom. So the new identity is supposed to be our primary identity. And then the new identity is so new and meaningful that again, compared to with our old identity, it's as if we hated it. So Jesus' point about renouncing where everything we have is also similar. Um, and this is actually something that causes Christians a lot of guilt. Because as I said at the beginning, who of us can really honestly say that we've given up everything to follow Jesus? So I want to try and give us a different way of understanding this. That when we become Christians, we become God's property. And then everything we own also becomes God's property. So we go from being the owners of everything we have to being stewards of God's property. And if we, if we are fully consistent with the calling of Jesus on our lives, then we will understand that from now on we're using our stuff, our wealth, on his behalf. And that might also include the advantages we have coming from a special family. We use them for God's glory and for his kingdom. And uh, so we need to recognize God's ownership of everything and we need to recognize our responsibility to use what we have to further God's priorities and our priorities become secondary. So for this reason, most people, when they become Christians, they don't give away all their possessions. But if we're gonna be good disciples of Jesus, we have to recognize that everything we had is, is at God's disposal and has to be used in ways that is pleasing to God. And so this means we have to live life on God's terms, not with reference to any other loyalty or identity. And it also means that we might have to do things and go to places that we do not want to go to or to do. It might mean, for example, that we have to spend money helping others in ways we're not used to. And this is what Jesus meant when he said we have to carry our cross. So this is a metaphor in Roman times, you only carried your cross if you were going to be nailed to it. You only carried the cross if you were going to be killed on it. 
And so carrying our cross is a metaphor for doing what we don't want to do and going maybe to where we don't want to go. Um, Jesus didn't want to do that in his flesh. He didn't want to be nailed to that cross, but he did it anyway for us. So this passage is about our identity and our loyalties and our priorities once we become Jesus' disciples. Now, this change of identity and outlook is formalized when we get baptized, and we're going to have a baptism in the next service at 11.30. But baptism is the outward sign and seal of that change in identity, that change in allegiance, and that change in priorities. And because baptism is something that is done to us, we understand that identity as Christians is something that is given to us. Now, in our society today, everybody wants to define and identify themselves according to their own ideas, on their own terms. But in the Christian faith, we understand that identity is something given by God to us because he made us. And when we become Christians, he additionally claims us. So because all of this involves a deep change in us, Jesus told his disciples to count the cost before committing to follow him. And to illustrate this, he tells two stories. One about a man who tried to build a tower and then ran out of money halfway through the building, and the example of a king who went out to fight another king, only to find that the other king had a bigger army than he had. So he asks for peace instead of fighting. So there's a cost to discipleship, and if we're not sure we can't, if we're not sure we can afford it, we shouldn't do it. But actually, that's not the whole story, because while when we follow Jesus, we might risk being ridiculed and we might miss, risk being dying or getting hurt. At the same time, there's another cost that we need to count, and that's the cost of not becoming a disciple of Jesus. And in the long run, this will involve us in a much higher cost if we're not careful. So this passage talks about the short-term and temporary costs of being a disciple. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He was talking to men who had already given up everything to follow him. Um, and he had promised them great blessings. He had promised them that they would sit on thrones in his kingdom. And in another, another place in John's gospel, he had said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And then at some point, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. I'm going to take you to that place that I've prepared for you. And we're going to be together forever. So that is what we get when we follow Jesus, the promise of blessings that can't be taken away. But what we're talking about here today is things that we need to give up in the short term. Now, it is better to live on God's terms here and now because the here and now might be over sooner than we think. And none of us knows how long we're gonna live. Might be many more years, might just be a few more days. We don't know. So let's not forget that in the long run, in eternity, we need to be followers of Jesus. We need to make sure that our relationship with Jesus is put right here and now. We don't put that off till later. There was a missionary, an American missionary called Jim Elliott that was killed um, uh, by the people he was trying to reach in the, in the Amazon jungle. And he, on this question of counting the cost, he understood the difference between the things you give up in the, that are temporary and the things that you gain that are eternal. And he said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. 
So the cost of refusing to be Jesus' kingdom is to be, sorry, the, the cost of refusing to be Jesus' disciple is to be shut out of God's kingdom. Um, so we need to consider that the future benefits of being Jesus' disciple far outweigh the short-term inconveniences and costs. So Jesus is asking us and calling us today to place a discount on the present and a premium on the future. Um, and this will relate to the way we use our things and our own lives and interact with others. This is the opposite of what the world and human nature tells us. The media and everything out there tells us to live in the now. But we need to, we need to count the cost in the now so that we will reap the full benefit in the long run. So let's heed Jesus' words and make sure that we do follow him. Um, if anybody wants to talk more about this subject, um, we're available afterwards. Amen.